Good afternoon, guys. Polymaths. We're on episode 13. Unlucky for some. Well, you just realised it's 13. No, we're, we're, we're really lucky. Nice. We're really lucky. Make your own luck. <laughs> Make your own luck. Uh, my name is Chris Frossin. Uh, I'm Ashley Callum. And I haven't done that stupid joke for a while. Uh, we, you can find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter everywhere. If you just search for Chris Frossin, you can find me on anywhere. But I'm on Twitter as Chris Frossin. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Chris Frossin Photography. You can find my personal page on Facebook if you want to. Um, I don't know whether I show up unless you know a friend of mine, but I'm not sure actually. I'm I know. Sure. I think I show up on normal Facebook. I think I might have opened it up now actually because um because as of yesterday I handed in my notice to David Lloyd, so I'm yeah. no longer going to be a tennis coach in four weeks' time, which is awesome. Um, which is awesome. Uh, I had a little bit of a shiver of excitement as I was walking out of the walking out of the gym yesterday, which is good. Mm. And you sent me a really cool message as well, which just said. Um, now you, get to, now you get to create and get paid for it. Create for a living, yeah. You get to create every day and get paid for it, which is kind of cool. I think, I think, it, I think as soon as that happens, though, you, you just get um, you get more and more. Oh, at least for me, it happened. I got more and more uh, uh, creative. Yeah, and a hard work. I'm thinking, right, well, I've got to do extra now. I thought I can't. I can't rest my laurels. I can't go just like oh, I, can, I, can, I can just chill out now. Yeah, it's not. It's um, not just going to happen automatically. No, yeah, no, and that that was, I think if I'd, I maybe spoken to you before, or, or spoken to, uh, spoken to you about that before, where, because I was doing it gradually alongside my other job, um, and then transition made the transition quite slowly, yeah, over say you know a couple of years, um, was it, it wasn't so much of a shot, mm, yeah, I mean I'd been writing on and off just bits yeah, and pieces, and then, yeah, a couple of years, um, and then. Yeah, I think if I'd done it straight away, if I'd just gone from being employed to self-employed, I mean, maybe maybe I'd have struggled to find the motivation. Maybe I don't know. But I think as I did it gradually, I, I became more and more self-reliant. Yeah. Um, you know, just coming up with ideas, new projects to work on. That that was one of the things I, I worried about. Actually, not having uh, getting to the end of a pro- project and not having anything else in mm. in you know there. I don't think I'll. I mean, we we did the goal setting thing um, over Christmas, and I don't think. I was a little bit worried that I wasn't going to have any ideas to, I mean everybody's always, well I don't know whether everybody, but I'm always a little bit hard on myself and sceptical that I'm actually as creative as I should be, and I was a bit worried that I wasn't going to have enough ideas to kind of run with, but um, like trying to have an idea a day is really helping, I've, like, I've told you a few of them, I'm going to talk about a few of them here, but mm. ideas have just been like flooding out, it's been really good fun, um, but I... It's it's a weird weird sensation, and I get the same feeling when I'm driving. Like nobody will understand this because everybody hates driving down the M5, but I really enjoy driving down the M5 because I know all my friends are down at the end of it in Bristol. They're all down at the end of the M5, so as soon as I get on the M5, I can just kind of get like a bit of a shiver of excitement. Yes, I'm, on, I'm going to go down to see my friends, mm. and I had the same thing yesterday when I kind of had my notice and walked out, walked out, and then I don't know. It's just that. Realization that actually something's just happened. Because um, when I, because when I had, I mean, we were both worked at the same place, didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah. People that don't know me, Chris, both worked at Dave Lloyd's, and, and we uh, always had the same opinion of it, didn't we? Yeah, we, we both saw it as a stepping stone. It, it was, you know, I mean, th- this was a thing. It's not very a lot, easy to get. A lot of people there didn't didn't feel like that, would it? Or, or thought that they shouldn't really say that. It's like, well, of course you can. You don't owe this company anybody. They're a no. huge company. They're always going to have employees. They're always going to make. Well, not always going to make money, but they're always going to um, 
you know, employ other people if you leave or, or whatever. You know, yeah. it's not it's not like you know, as soon as you, it's not like you own this company or anything. Yeah, they're giving you opportunity and stuff, but you also work for them. You've also contributed to their. I think I, I think that was one of the hard things for me as well because David Lloyd did give me the opportunity, um, even though I kind of blagged it a little bit um, in terms of getting them to pay for the course uh, in a way which I still don't even know whether it's actually been paid for. Uh, the original tennis tennis coaching course that I did, um, and they gave me the opportunity to get out of the office job that I was stuck in that I hated and I didn't like, uh, and I walked out of that. And then obviously, kind of seven years later, I was I was still coaching, which was good fun. Uh, it's the longest job I've ever had, mm. a long way. Uh, I think the longest job I had before that was graphic design, which was two and a half two and a half three years. Mm. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, a few Don't places. Home. A few places now. Uh, at Calisthenics UK. On if you Twitter. want to find him on a Saturday night, he's in a completely different place. Watching TV, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't watch TV, but sitting watching a film or something. <laughs> no, um, or play guitar. Uh, I can also be found um, at AF Mylak, which is M Y L A K. Uh, that's my uh, novel author page. If anybody knows where that comes from, then you can message us at, at yes, polymathcast.com. <laughs> Should be pretty easy, shouldn't it? Really? Yeah, it should be. Um, where else? Uh, yeah, complete calisthenics uh, on Facebook. Uh, AF Marlock on Facebook as well, and then just my name for for personal Facebook stuff. Although I'm getting I'm getting quite near the limit, I think. I don't know what the that. limit is. I've, I think I've it's been, five thousand friends. I've been knocking a few friends friends in inverted commas off my Facebook recently. Um, I had this idea that if I went onto my timeline, I wanted to. I only wanted to scan past two or three two or three posts until I found a, a car related thing or a oh my life oh thank you very much we've got Come cake on. when wow. did we get car it's like a waiter service here <laughs> we've just got lemon wow lemon drizzle cake with lemon cake. curd that's epic Amazing. so yeah we'll put the podcast on hold for a bit while we scoff that yeah we'll be chomping <laughs> Um, what were we talking about then? I just got distracted by cake. Talking about uh, yeah, Facebook, not scrolling. Oh yeah, I wanted people, to. Yeah. I only wanted to scroll past two or three people until I found a, a um, well, basically until I found something that interested me. So at the moment, that's something to do with archery, something to do with inspiration, something to do with photography, or something to do with cars. Just just one of those subjects. If I, if I that's very good. Yeah. If I if I went past and it was oh I'm having a really shit day and if anybody anybody with the exception of a guy called Chris Pollitt if Chris Pollitt if you're listening which I know you're not um, you gain exemption from this rule if anybody puts FML fuck my life in their Facebook status they get instant deletion I, ha- I can't stand or that or any conspiracy theorists it's like, oh my that. god delete I've just woken up and my car's all frozen over I'm going to have to defrost it FML oh is it Monday again FML yes it's Monday again it comes, <sighs> comes around every week it's the most frustrating. I'm so glad YOLO's gone now, but FML. Oh, God. YOLO. Yeah, swag. Go, what was swag about? What was that? Swag. About? Swag. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm not down with Is that as anymore. bad as that swag? I'm, over th- I'm over, just over 30 swag now. Swag so All of that I've left, I've left behind. Never took it back. Um, but yeah, you can find me on all those places. But I, I, I mean, I'm getting close to that, but I, the reason I have. I just add anybody and, and accept anybody in there. It's just just to try and get as many people trying to trying to like my you know you know McCallisonic stuff and, and get as many fans. Really. Just because you can you just yeah. and you never know who you're going to meet on there. You know yeah, I, yeah. I, get, I get some people that just message me out of the blue saying oh I've, I've got your book or I do such I've been doing McCallisonic such and such 
Um, I have this YouTube page. Would you mind sharing it? Anything like that. So I mean, I've, I've followed, a, uh, added, added. I don't say follow. I've added a few friends who are. Um, <laughs> you say friends so flippantly now, don't you? Because of Facebook, uh, I've added, I've friended a few people on Facebook who are like professional automotive photographers. Uh, a guy called Tim Wallace, who it's one of those funny things. Um, if I, if you go back, you know, I don't know whether this relates to you at all. If you if you go back like ten years or even twenty years and you try and think of something that you liked, did you necessarily know that that was the the, the there were a, possibly a group of people who also liked that, or whether that. Really uh, no, yeah, For instance, um, I I never twigged that all the cars I liked when I was 18, 19, 20 were all Japanese. Never twigged it at all. I was like, Mitsubishi FTA, that's really cool. Nissan Skyline, that's awesome. Like all the Mazda RX 7s, I really like that. They were all Japanese. I never twigged at all until a, a fair few years later. And this same thing with this Tim Wallace guy. Um, Last year I was going on YouTube, there weren't very many automotive photography videos on YouTube, and there was a guy on there called Tim Wallace who was doing a video on how to light a muscle car. I was like, this guy's really good, and then completely forgot about him, and then I stumbled across him again recently, added him on Facebook, he's a really funny guy, he's a really, guy. He's a really cool, so, mm. yeah, it's just one of those funny things, I don't know whether that relates, I'm just babbling. I think so, yeah, yeah. Whether you, whether you think that you're you might oh I'm the only one that likes this or I'm, uh, I mean I had a bit of that where maybe at, at school and stuff because there was only a couple of the lads that were were into uh, a couple of the people really that were into um, uh, like quite extreme music like you know a bit of a bit of Slayer and stuff yeah. and and other things like that but then when I got to uni and stuff it was uh, uh, most of the people I hung, hung about with were not from uni they were they were like you know local Stokies they were sort of musicians <laughs> and stuff themselves. Did you go Stoke? Yeah, Staffordshire, yeah. Uh, As a whole. Yeah. No, it was okay. It was okay. Um, the, weather was, the weather was Did you horrendous. All when did you get into, like, strength training then? Because Joe wrote... This is another thing that everybody... Or lots of people in um, the public eye um, have, all, have all said that there's a moment in their life that they can relate back to and this uh, formed them and... and it, it, manipulated them into what they are today like Joe Rogan got beaten up when he was a kid and he he got so badly beaten up when he was at school he said right from then on I was going to go and do I think he, did he do jiu-jitsu I think he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu but he just said like from then on I wasn't I was never going to get beaten up again and he just went and trained his ass off and everything did you ever have anything like that at school or in your life, can you think of no, it? No, because I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, you had like the football teams and the rugby teams, and I suppose in America, like the American football teams and the ice hockey teams and all this stuff like that, They're, they have their own cliques and stuff, but I wasn't, uh, I, I played rugby at school, but and I used to have a, for a lot of years, I used to have a county tie. Oh, um, So I never hung around in any of the rugby lot because I didn't really like any of them and, and just preferred my own company and, and like a couple of others, you know, that were into mainly like the same sort of music as I was. Uh, but uh, but no one would would say mess with you because you've got they see and they they see you've got a county tie on so they think oh it must be it must oh well that's a rugby tie all right well I won't mess with it then. oh really so I never got I never got that even though I wasn't part of the yeah. clique you know because um, I got beaten up at school but I never had a I never had a life changing experience where I decided all of a sudden I was going to go and weight train no no. No, it's, it's, no, it didn't happen to me. And I mean, I was, I was involved with rugby from sort of ages of seven or eight until about eight, 17 or 18. So for me, training the body was kind of like a, a thing that was done anyway. 
and I'd started doing weights maybe at 14, 15, 16, just light weights, but not proper squatting, it was like leg extensions, and yeah. the, the, the gym at school had like a, a few machines, but not not lifting in the proper sense of the word, deadlifts, squats, bench, overhead press, not proper, not proper lifting really. Um, if you take a moment to think, do you, here's an, a, an idea or a thought, everybody is on a human path kind of thing. They're all going to go in the same direction. Everybody's going to go in the same direction in terms of their personal and social development. And then everybody needs to have one life-changing thing happen. Like Joe Rogan got beaten up and then, and then that changed his life and he decided then that he was going to be this kind of person. So that happened. You, you were... Um, PT at David Lloyd and then decided that you wanted to be a writer and that was your maybe that was your life changing thing I I, I don't know what happened so. to me I think I had um, I, t- I talked to I talked to you before when I had the um, the skyline shoot and I kind of got all the photos back and I was just really ple- I was, that was just like a complete self confidence boost yep I'm I've got this dialed down I've got this dialed in I'm, I'm, I'm doing alright do you think everybody needs that life changing experience once to actually put them onto a path that is meaningful and it it depends it depends on it depends on the person when they have that so if you have it really early i think i've had a few of those if you have it really early then maybe you get pushed onto that path a little bit quicker because it's taken me a long time to have anything like that but it's it they haven't necessarily put me onto paths okay so I think when I decided to, to have a go at joining the Royal Marines, I was like, that's probably, maybe that's, that'd be a good thing for me. And I trained for it, Tra- just training for it, trying to get my mind into the right place. Um, with that, that taught me a lot um, about myself, what what limits were. What did you learn about yourself in the Marines? Just that I could work a lot harder than I've ever worked before. But you've got to remember, mentally and physically, it, it's, no, physically, it's all right. It's not, you know. I mean, you're not. Well, it's very, very taxing physically, but it's more the mental side of things because yeah, you your 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 mind controls what your body does. So if you're running up and down a hill all afternoon, it's it's your body that's got to do it, but it's your mind that is the the initiator. I think one of the things I did, I I went on a self empowerment. My first job, for some reason, my boss thought I needed to go on a self empowerment course. Um, rightly or wrongly, I thought it was rightly because I was a bit of a I don't know, just not particularly assertive. Um, and I went on a self-empowerment course, and it was things like um, holding a glass of water and resisting, or holding a cigarette with your arm out straight, and then having somebody push your arm down, and then holding a glass of water. That's, that's kind of probably just... Um, little mind tricks. Yeah, it? little mind tricks. Um, but you know that the cigarette's bad for you, so your arm's not going to be as strong and stuff like that. But... We then did things like, which ties into the archery thing nicely again, you get an arrow, a wooden arrow, you put the pointy bit on your neck, and just, just below your windpipe, uh, just, before your, just below your Adam's apple, you put the other end of the arrow on a wall, and then you walk towards the wall. And this part of the, the part of your neck that the arrow is sitting in is so tough that the arrow buckles and breaks before it pierces your skin. Um, and then... We did that, and then we did some glass walking, walking on glass, um, and then the last thing that he did on the entire day, and I put my hand up straight away, I was like, shit, yeah, I want to do this, 
You know um, when they get the concrete concrete pillars and they have the steel rods that go steel reinforcing rods that go through them. Yeah. Um, he got one of those and he put um, a little rubber clip on either end, a little square rubber clip, and he said, "Right, I want two people." And we did the same thing. So two of you were, ha- were standing either side of this um, steel rod uh, with it on your neck, and then you walk towards each other. And the steel right. rod kind of wobbles and wobbles and wobbles, and you have to put quite a lot of pressure on it. But there's nothing happening here. There's nothing going through. It's not. It doesn't feel like it's going to pierce and go straight through. You. And then all of a sudden, it just bends. Wow. Um, and I had that. I kept that steel rod for a while, um, but I think um, I think I, I get inspired very quickly, and I think also I get what's the word doubtful, mm-hmm. doubtful of your own ability, kind of thing, very quickly. So I go up and down in terms of. Really creative and really, f- and then oh no, I'm not. That, I think that didn't cut it. I think that's natural for anybody that wants to master the discipline that they're, yeah. that they're in. Because yeah, like, there's, like... there's a few books that I've been reading um, by. I've, I've won a book from a Chase Jarvis competition, which got sent over. A guy called uh, Julian Smith sent me two books, signed them, said that he liked Garfield as well because he obviously followed me on Twitter, <laughs> so I thought it was quite funny. Um, and then I read the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Um, and every time you read things like that, and it's like, oh wow, yeah, really inspired, going to carry on and, and kick on, kick on this. And I'm like doing these podcasts as well. What did you say when we were coming back from archery? We almost talk ourselves into things when we do the podcast. You're, yeah, you almost talk yourself. So I'm just finishing off lemon cake. <laughs> <laughs> you almost talk yourself um, into the fact that you can achieve these things. Mm. Because I think if we do, if we like, I think I think I said something like, if we weren't doing a podcast. You'd only be saying these things in your mind. Mm. You don't. You don't. Unless people have. I mean, people. Some people do have these mantras that they get up and say every morning, or before they're going to do yeah. some sort of important thing. I did. I did talk about having. I did talk about the fact of, of maybe doing that, um, but it, it, it never. It never happened. I mean, I might still do it. But having these podcasts once a week for a couple of hours, you know, we just sit around and talk. And for a lot of the time, we'll talk before. You know, we've gone on a shot for a couple of hours, we talk about... We have a podcast, yeah, we have a podcast-worthy conversation before the podcast. We just don't record, yeah. Um, So, yeah, for me, it's... I talk myself into it more. Like, we we, we went to um, uh, the quad place in in Derby. That was cool. And uh, just sat there and... That was a nice atmosphere as well, just the environment that's there. Yeah, and and we were working on uh, um, a TV series idea. Um, We decided to try and work on it together just because it's such a big... It would be such a huge project that two of us working on it would just be a lot better than one. And it's this, you know, and then we came up with the idea of, you know, well, we could, we really need to do ten, ten episodes to, to yeah, make it worthwhile, sex. and all these sorts of things. And, and no idea is too, is too big. You're like, well, if you're gonna do this, it has to be done. Well, why, why? There must, you know, TV programs and, and documentaries and stuff exist, so there must be some people that do them. A lot of the people that you see in, in. I mean, I haven't met many TV executives or producers or whatever, but a lot of these people are, are not necessarily the the greatest minds. They, they they don't know anything that no one else knows. They don't have a, they don't have sources of knowledge that are denied to other people. Yeah, you know, they, they, it's it's a best guess sometimes. I mean, I've been watching um, the uh, feedback, the audience feedback for Seinfeld. Oh yeah, um, what, from the pilot or something. From the pilot. 
um, and just the idea of it, and it came back as very, very weak, poor. <laughs> and yeah, the TV executives are saying, you know, we 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 thought we, we sort of got it for four episodes. We thought it might be all right. Then it goes on to become the greatest comedy show that that, yeah. well, that America, in terms of viewing figures and stuff, yeah. that America had ever seen, and probably ever ever, ever has seen. Um, I think I mentioned you before about you know the the the, the whole Harry Potter thing rejected by twelve publishers. Well. These are these are publishers. They're meant to know what's mm. going to sell. That's that's the point of a publisher. They're meant to know. But then you said you said before if, sell, if what's not if publishers sell. know what's going to sell, then they should be telling the authors what to write. Exactly. And they don't. Exactly. So they can't. So that says to me they can't possibly know. Um, well, Fifty Shades of Grey was Fifty Shades of. I don't, do you know this? Fifty Shades of Grey was fan fiction about Twilight. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. 50, all the Fifty Shades of Grey books were fan fiction about Twilight. Stephanie Myers. Or maybe it was the other way around. Stephanie Myers got a lot to answer for. <laughs> no, I thought I was, that, that, was, that made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, going back, it, it, for me, it solidifies talking about this stuff. Solidifies it in my mind. And it makes it more real. It makes it, it more. It makes it more certain um, in my mind that it's going to happen. It's not like like, oh well, I might get a German translation. Of complete calisthenics, it's like, well, I will get a German translation of complete calisthenics. I mean, not that I've done anything for that other than try and promote and try and reach as many people. Oh, as no, you've written a book. Yeah, exactly. You've written the book, the you wrote the original book. But then I suppose if I hadn't written the original one, it wouldn't have a chance to get translated. And, no. and stuff like that, you know, and it's, it's. I, I thought the other day, well, I, of course I can write a solar system wide science fiction series, maybe three to five books or something. Why not? Yeah. You know, it, it's, I've got the time now. I've got, the, I've got the intelligence to do it. I have a computer. I have the internet. I can. I've got ten fingers. I can type. You know. Um, yeah. Why not? Exactly. I mean, that was that was it. You know, the, the phrase "why not" was surround was, yourself with people who say "why not." Was said to me by by a guy called Paul Carroll, who was um, one of my one of my first clients at David Lloyd. Yeah. Like when I, when I spoke to and um, got a chance to him. Never met anybody like him in the past, um, and nothing was a problem for him. Nothing. Everything, everything was was solution, solution, solution. You know, if if he, he, I remember him telling me about. I might even mention it before to you. Maybe not on the podcast, but he was talking about his wife, who uh, wasn't too keen on hiring, uh, not hiring, sorry, uh, buying a house and then renting all the individual rooms out to students, buying yeah. like a big, big house. And she was saying something like, "Oh, well, you know, they'll wreck it, they'll wreck it." It's like, well, it's not what you need to be concentrating on. What you need to be concentrating on is that each of those individual rooms can bring in X number of pounds per month. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the only thing that matters, you know. And then if the house is going to be valued at the same time, yeah. you know. Um, that's the only thing you need to be needs to be concentrating on, you know. The priority is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and he he literally just said to me one day, you know, words to the effect of, you know, why not? Why can't you, why don't you write, write, write an e-book? Why can't you do these things? Why can't you do it? So what was your was your first one? Then, the pullet one. The one yeah. that you shot with your one, yeah. with your ex in um, in a park. Yeah, in a park. Yeah, yeah in in, um, in uh, Yorkshire. 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 The Yorkshire. Not yeah, not not far from her, her mum and dad's uh, house. Yeah, Maxie's mum and dad's house. Um, it was strange that day. We used an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was it was bright sunshine, then cloudy, then raining, then bright sunshine, <laughs> just like that. So we had to stand. So me and Chaz had to stand under this uh, uh, sort of. Um, uh, I think it was kind of like a little uh, wooden bridge. 
It was like a, like a little play park. It was deserted. <laughs> okay. And then they had they had lots of bars, but they were thick kind of... The bars were about uh, the width of... Um, that axle thing that they did on the World's Strongest Man. Well, kind of, the, the, you know, the end of the sleeves on a barbell that you put the weights yeah, onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about that thickness. So quite difficult to grip and stuff, and it wasn't ideal conditions and things. Um, and yeah, so some of the lighting, lighting conditions were... And then that, was, that still sells some to, yeah. to this day. I mean, the photographs are okay, but... All the all the logic and the progressions and stuff are, are, are sound. You know they're they're all, mm. all correct or anything. Um, um, obviously, there's probably a lot more, a lot better books on pull-ups and things out there. Um, but I, I've got plans to redo that one anyway, because my, my publisher wants me to redo that to be in to get printed into a smaller maybe like a five job. Yeah, sort of paperback. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people have trouble with pull-ups and. Well, you can almost you can almost envision that being in every gym in the country kind of thing, can't you? Yeah, because there's so many ways to progress up to it, and because and a pull up again, a pull up is it's, it's almost a definitive gym yeah. calisthenics yeah, exactly. exercise, isn't it? Everybody, everybody knows the push the up, the pull up. Everybody knows about the uh, the ice hockey guy in America who couldn't do a pull up, but was playing ice hockey professionally, and it's yeah, it's it's a mm. it's an obvious obvious step. Um, we wanted to talk about well, what about your compound boat? Because oh. we, well, we well, the funny thing is, we were shooting today, weren't we? And we, then, went, we went, yeah, we went shooting today. Then we well, went your to bow is a seventy-inch bow. Mine's a mine's a seventy-inch bow, which is twenty-eight pounds at twenty-eight inches, and yours is a sixty-eight inch sixty-eight bow, inch bow, which is twenty-eight pounds at twenty-eight inches. So, in theory, they're the same poundage bows. Um, my draw length is, well, my draw length was measured at thirty inches, and I'm pretty sure it's now thirty and a half, thirty-one. Because obviously my draw length changes, your draw length changes as well, which is cool. Mm. Um, so I get possibly, I think mine was measured. So my 70, pa- 70 inch bow was measured at thirty two pounds at thirty inches. Mm. So um, I'm probably thirty four, thirty five pounds probably at, at whatever it is now. Um, but we swapped bows, didn't we? And we swapped. Yours felt curiosity instantly much. easier to pull, and you you, you were like, <laughs> yours feels a much harder to pull. So yours is like immense. Like, yeah. So we don't know whether the poundages are just completely different, or the conditions of the bows, or, or because they're cheap bows. I mean, the bows are only sort of fifty two. But we swapped, and then every single arrow was in the target, mm. which was odd. Um, really strange. But yeah, yours yours feels like it's got more poundage at, at my full draw. And mine is obviously smoother to pull, and you like firing it more. Yeah, I, I'm confused. I am completely confused, but on the flip side, I'm very pleased that I can pull a 68-inch bow at my draw length and it doesn't go pop or anything. Mm. Because, like I was saying, there's a, there's, a, there's a bow out there called the Win and Win Black RCX, RCX, RCZ, RCZ-16. Which is gorgeous, an all carbon fibre takedown recurve bow. It's lovely, but they only do it in 62 inches, 62, 60, or 58. Um, and I was really worried that I won't be able to get it because it won't cope with a, a 30, 30 inch draw. Yeah. Um, but one of the guys who was reviewing it had a 28 inch draw, so I was like, okay, maybe it will. And then pulling yours today. Maybe I just have to use slightly different length strings. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how no, they the work it out. I don't know what the rules are. That's not, yeah. I don't know. The only hard and fast rule that I know for compounds is that the, the arrow should be. That's a good point, actually. I wonder, what, I wonder if your string is the same length as mine. It wouldn't be because yours is 70 inch bow. 
It shouldn't be, should it? It should be different. What would happen if you put yours on my bow? Then you'd have a higher brace height. Yeah. It'd be more... You'd have more pounds. Yeah, oh, hard. I I thought about that. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I would have thought... I'm guessing guessing the strings strings should be made for the bow. I think with the recurve, you must get higher poundage the longer the draw length because you're having to put more... We're having to put more energy into overcome. Yeah, you know, the, the, the further you pull it, the more energy it takes to pull it that far. Whereas the compound is, this is how much it is because the cams are set to that. Yeah, the draw length. Yeah, yeah. set the draw length. Yeah. Which is why we have to go, go to well. We'll have to go to KG archery, won't we? Yeah. But I was going to say you're getting a compound bow, aren't you? Coming from the well, state, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. There's a guy. There's a guy who listens to uh, the the podcast. A guy called Blake, who I've known for years. Uh, we used to do. There used to. <laughs> there used to be. Um, Creative Live would do online photography um, kind of workshops uh, and we'd all be sat in the chat room, loads of people would be sat in the chat room and then at the end of the chat room we'd go into a Google Hangout and just kind of hang out with everybody. So I met him through that, uh, really cool guy, I think he lives in Texas, he'll probably shout at me for that, but he does lots of cool photos of uh, motorbikes and things and uh, sent me a message the other day, uh, he's actually given us some advice on the audio as well because he's an audio geek, uh, but he was like, yeah, do you want my, do you want my old compound bow? Mm. I was like, hell yeah, definitely. He's got it in a hard case. It's a high country sniper, um, which they don't make anymore. Uh, but he's gonna he's gonna drop me some photos. But uh, see how much it costs to ship over, which would be quite cool. Um, I think we could both both shoot both shoot combos, But I, re- I just, especially now, even more after shooting yours, I really want to try a a high pound recurve because yours flew. Those arrows I was flinging out of yours. It did actually, and I think, yeah, you, yours felt nicer to shoot more, yeah, it would just felt nicer to shoot, I don't know. It's strange, that, isn't it, really yeah, strange. Uh, I, mean, I, know, I know there's a, um, if you're, if, if I play tennis and I'm being, playing tennis in my racket and I swap to another racket and I hit a few tennis balls, I'm like, oh, it's really nice, because it's different. Different doesn't necessarily mean better. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, next time we go, we said we're going to swap and shoot shoot a whole session swapped. Yeah, and just see, yeah, um, to see and what just happens. See, and I might stick on a site for you, just some pins. Yeah, just to see if, uh, yeah. Either they're just temporary ones, or if we, even it's just one temporary, I can just move it. Yeah. Just a bit of sticky tape yeah. or something. Move it down. Yeah, well, I've got um, some nails, so I'll, I'll stick one on a bit of cardboard mm. or something, I'll stick the cardboard on. Yeah. But yeah. that'd be good. But yeah, the compound bow would be, yeah. Uh, I remind, I think mine... Yours has got I've ordered a Bear Archery Cruiser, C R U Z E R. That almost seems too good to be true. That because um, it was, well, what was it two ninety pounds to buy. Yeah, well, great, yeah, two two nine nine. As yeah. in sterling, not pounds yeah. to pull. Yeah, so it's probably, I don't know how many dollars it would be actually. I think it's probably it's probably three hundred dollars. Yeah. You know the way blooming England works. Yeah. Still has um, a tax or anything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's but, but it's, it's, it the it's draw length from, is adjustable from twelve to thirty inches. So it's got me covered because I'm about 27, 28. And then the poundage is... The poundage is adjustable from 5, 5 to 70. 70. It does just seem, just, just seem to be too good to be true. It's bonkers. Um, so the most adjustable. So I think what I'll do is go to KG Archery. I think I'll probably set it at double the poundage that my bow is rated at now, which is 28 because it feels much more than 30. So I'll get it set at 60. Um, and then I'll get arrows... For seventy pounds, or yeah. rated at seventy pounds, so a three hundred fifty grain arrow. 
that way I can I can go up the extra ten pounds to to the maximum poundage. Yeah. Um, and not have to worry about buying whole new arrows. Um, it's not going to be uh, you, yeah. you know. Let's. I, mean, I mean, we might we might even go there. As like I was saying, I think they could change the the weight of the arrow just from the tip as well, putting a different tip in. So you might be able to go to KG and they'll say, well, for the difference in ten pounds, we can give you arrows that suit this bow and then when you take it up to 70 we'll just swap the tips you can put these tips in here I'll have these yeah. tips swap those well I thought 10 pounds isn't make that much of a difference between grains so. not not at our level anyway I mean no. we're not trying to shoot yeah I mean yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yards. it does make a difference at our at uh, Olympic level because they're going for every last little degree but at our level not mm. particularly um, so I'm looking I'm look forward to getting that I think that's released on the 15th 15th of Jan, so you know, for a couple of days, cool. and then um, that should be with me by the end of the month, I think. So I'm looking forward to getting that. 15th of January is like Friday? This Friday? Yeah. Wow. So it should be released soon. So it might be with you next week? Could be. It could depends be, when they get it. I think, I think the, the Bo Sports said we take it takes like a week or so to get to us, or a few days, right, okay, and then okay. we have to send it out. Right. Okay. Check the stock and then send them out. Um, but it's, yeah, but. Yeah, pre-ordered it, so I'm really looking forward to getting that. Yeah, that'd be and, nice. Um, and nice. Uh, I'm making a quiver, a yeah. carbon fibre quiver. Looks very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be finished. I just want everything carbon fibre. I, I never got I never got to scratch my carbon fibre itch with my cars, because I, I, when, when I had my FTO, uh, there's a guy called Guy, uh, who we'll talk about in a minute as well, uh, who had a carbon, it was a stunning FTO, really nice, had a carbon fibre bonnet, carbon fibre boot, boot lid, uh, and carbon fibre wing mirrors, and carbon fibre here, and carbon fibre, and everybody was putting carbon fibre on everything, and I was like, oh, it just looks really cool, and then it kind of went out of fashion, and turned a bit shabby, because it started being a bit too, a bit too accessible, see it on a, on yeah, a... you see it on a Saxo, and you're like, I don't want carbon fibre anymore, Yeah. and now it's kind of gone full circle, and it's back into, back into being sexy again, mm-hmm. um, like Kernan Zeg and everything, make carbon fibre wheels, um, so yeah, I'm going to scrap don't the carbon fibre, don't they make carbo titanium? Uh, no, no, that's Pagani, isn't it? Pagani do carbo-titanium, which is nuts. So carbon fibre weave with titanium woven between it. Um, Zeg do titanium 3D printing. They 3D print all their pedal boxes and the turbo housing and everything with ti- in titanium. Wow. Because they don't do enough, they don't do enough uh, volume to make it worthwhile manufacturing them, so they just 3D print everything. Wow. <laughs> 3D printed in titanium is nuts. Uh, yeah. Whilst we have to, uh, well, we had uh, the Pillars of Creation photo was retaken, was wasn't it? Gorgeous. By Hubble. So if you've never seen that, it's. Uh, which which it's galaxy? Which it looks. I don't know what. I don't know. I can't remember what galaxy you're We've got. Well, we we prepared this week. We've got a little laptop down there, so yeah. we've got a little MacBook. So we'll we'll look that up. But it was uh, yeah, it was taken by Hubble a, a, a while ago. Um, it's quite a famous picture. It's like a star nurse. Yeah, but it, it sounds it sounds incredible. But the pillars of creation don't exist anymore. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think they I think they saw that a galaxy was going to collide, or a gas cloud, or something. Yeah, the gas was, cloud was going to collide with uh, you know with a nebula and, in and six thousand years. But this was. But they're seven thousand light years away. Yeah. So it takes seven thousand years for the light to get to us. Which means that it's not there anymore. It's already yeah. happened. So. Uh, and I think was it somebody that posted? Yeah, that was that was so that was Guy Guy Patterson down in London, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, he put a put a post up on or put a comment up, saying that uh, he doesn't know what he's more disappointed about the fact that they're they're gone and they're not there anymore, or the fact that they'll never see it actually happen. Yeah, yeah. 
And now that got us on to talking about the, the just the immensity of time and distance in the universe that it that it's. it's in the that we can't appreciate these things. Oh yeah, of course we? it is. It's in the Eagle Nebula. Eagle Nebula. Of course, it's in the Eagle Nebula. Yeah, so right in the middle of the Eagle Nebula. So yeah, so it's almost so like we pretty. can't appreciate those things because they're. Um, because it's almost like they're so far away and so far in the past once the light actually gets to us that it's almost meaningless. Mm. You know, we were experiencing the rest of the universe. Well, I mean, past. you experience your life in the past anyway. Yeah. Only a few, probably, you know, picoseconds in the past. Because the light we're used to seeing is, is you know, bouncing off, you know, um, the person that you're talking to and, you know, and the time yeah. it takes light to cross that distance between, you know... Two people is so small, um, but yeah. Once once you get to start, you know, looking at things in the in the wider universe and the, and, and the galaxies and things, it's just. I just think it's. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try and find because they were saying that there's there's a star that's close by that's about that's that will go supernova in our lifetime kind of okay. thing. I can't remember what it, which one it is. Yeah, it's got me to thinking about. Um, I've been working on a book that. Uh, I'm probably going to call Ancients Landing or something like that. Uh, I need quite a unique name for it. Um, but the story is that that um, you know there is a, there is a, a, an alien life form in there, and he's travelled around and he's become a bit more of like a a, a scientist and a, and a frontiersman and a traveller and, and an explorer. Um, but in order for that to happen um, and for it to stay more or less in the laws of physics, obviously because they can't travel faster than the speed of light. Um, I've had him, yeah, hundreds of thousands of years old. Yeah. Because he's had to be because it takes that long. Um, because I I, I I thought to myself, well, the chance that medical knowledge will advance to the point where we can live more or less forever is much more likely than than that we'll travel faster than the speed of light. Well, it won't happen. We won't travel faster than the speed of light. It's impossible, but that's a lot more likely. So that's why I decided to have him right. Well, I've got a choice. I've got a choice here. I can either have you can either break a law of physics. Well, yeah, I can either break a law of physics, have him travel faster than the speed of light, just but just be normal age, you know, or a hundred years old or two hundred years old, about around Earth years, or I can have him hundreds of thousands of years old, perhaps millions of years old, and then have have the distance between the stars the same, because then it would make each discovery in each new place that he visited even more significant because yeah. he spent so long travelling between yeah. between the galaxies or between the solar systems. Um, and I don't that, think it's that fine are, line between sci-fi and reality that you kind of have to remind yourself that you're actually writing a sci-fi book. Yeah. But, but then again, I think the story in itself is highly unlikely to begin with. Like the story of Pegasus 1. Well, that's highly likely, likely to begin with. But, but it's... It's at least plausible. It's possible. Just so that's, that's what that's what I think. That, I think written on, isn't yeah, it? I don't think you need, you don't need possible. things to be very very plausible. You just need them to be in the realm of uh, in the realm of possible. And like, we, they say that the strongest the strongest uh, of human emotions is hope. So I mean, people hope that something like that's going to happen. It's like it's easy to t- easy to take that jump um, for something like that to happen. I can't find the one that will explode next. Uh, Beetlejuice is the one that um, they're talking about that will explode, um, and it will do someday, but possibly not soon. But they think that that might become a second sun before it explodes. Mm. So at some point in the future, we'll have two suns in the sky. So, I mean, do you, the question I wanted to ask you was: Do you think 
humans will ever be able to understand or appreciate the, the immensity of time or distance if you never get to experience them, if you never get to experience living for millions of years or even hundreds or thousands of years or travelling that distance, do you think it's ever possible to to appreciate or do you think, that, almost like... Um, well, if you go back and kind of do you appreciate the fact that we landed on the moon? I think... But you can I, don't kind of, I don't think you can truly appreciate it. You can kind of see that as possible because you think, well... Quarter of a million miles away, that's a long way, but travelling at a moderately fast speed for for a for a rocket or for, for a you know, for the command module. Yeah, they could make it there in in three days and they did and you know, and then they they come back. You can kind of see that's yeah, that's that's possible. But then it just becomes for me it becomes exponentially it's less greater. believable. Yeah. Uh no, no, sorry, not less believable, less um clear in my mind. It's like when they talk about that like the end, what's going on the inside of an atom. They say we can't visualize these things. You can only ever understand it via the language of mathematics. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, but that doesn't give you a visual representation. You know, you can just say, right, well, the equations work, so the equations so therefore work. Therefore, it has to. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a hypothetical situation. So do you think, ever think our species will get to the point where our brains change enough that we'll be able to understand this, or evolution will? I think evolution will probably find a way to to evolve us into a state where we can expand. Because um, I think the human brain is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, whether emotions stay in there. I mean, there was a, the last uh, last season of Fringe, uh, myself and Lindsay watched. And um, in in the life uh, in the timeline that they're filming it in they have lots of um, people called observers come back in time um, to try to take over the world kind of thing and it turns out that they're humans from three three hundred years in the future who have developed and progressed their their brains mm. to take out emotions um, because as soon as you lose the emotions then you open up a whole new level of knowledge and intellect Mm. So I think there's, I think I mean we've done we've done it every forty thousand years, haven't we? The human brain has evolved and got larger. Mm. So I think there's definitely definitely room for it to be, to get bigger and get more clever. But whether it will get to a stage where we can, like I mean, do you think? Do you think that will it will happen? We will ever. I mean, I'm talking maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years into the future. If the human species is still around, do you think we will? If the human if the human species is still around, I think we will. Yeah, it's a it's a case of whether the social ripping that we've talked about before of like lengthening the distance between intellect and and um, rich and poor divide and stuff, whether that just gets too big and just destroys destroys ourselves. Mm. Um, well, I was listening to uh, pale, blo- pale, 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 blue dot, no, no. pale blue dots yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, and he, that that bit where he says, you know, where Carl Sagan's going on about, um, you know, all these tyrants and and these emperors and stuff, and they they've fought, you know, with so much bloodshed and hatred and all this sort of stuff, and trying to conquer a, a speck of a dot for the tiniest amount of cosmological time that you can imagine. Yeah. Which is just folly. You know? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know? No, totally. Um, but then I suppose everybody's everybody's got that. I, I you know, I, I'm, at the moment I'm trying to 
create and write things and set things up um, personally, financially for um, my life, Siobhan's life, our future family's life. And that's, that's what, a hundred, you know, say, say three generations, a hundred years or, or, you know, 80 years at the most. How do and you feel like, about bringing um, bringing another generation into the current state of the world? Well, fine because I mean I, I've I've got to say over how what they learn, how they think, not what they think. Because you want to you want to you want to move. Well, I think that there's, the, there's quite a few people at the moment who want to move to and live in Canada. I think I'd kind of like to go and live in Canada. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, agree. So you want to go and live in Canada? Is that? It's been one of Swan's dreams for for a long time. So, but but yeah, she sort of. Said to me, oh, would you would you fancy this? I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, Hell it's, yeah, it's, yeah um, absolutely. I think I think it's. I think the more I spend, the more time I spend here, the more time I. But the more I realise that I don't particularly want to be in England. All, it all it my depends. Life. I mean, I, I want to live at some in some point. I do. I do respect countries. Whether that's ten that, years, fifteen years. I, I respect the states because they have you know a, a, a goddess constitution and and they have the they have the Declaration of Independence and their 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 very founders. Ah, uh, people are you know Thomas Paine, people I admire, uh, you know, hundreds of years ahead of their time, more intelligent than our politicians are now. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, well, when you read their books and stuff. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A, a man that writes the rights of man, common sense, the crisis, you know, um, rage of reason. You know, that that's an intelligent bloke that came from almost, you know, pretty pretty humble backgrounds. And there's lots of those guys, you know, Benjamin Franklin. Thomas Jefferson, you know, those sorts of people. That, I, I like that. I like the, the, the concept that it's built on. Um, yeah, they don't always get it right and they have a lot of social issues, but I suppose what... I think I think they've turned away from those... that enlightenment way of thinking as they've gone they've gone along. Yeah. There are some people that hold it, you know, that, that try to hold it down. Chris Richards, you know, <laughs> to name, name, name one person. Um, I suppose Lawrence Krauss, although he's Canadian. But he does do a lot of stuff in the states. Um, loads of people like that. I, th- I think that's what I admire about America. About Canada, I suppose that they're just kind of like American light, aren't they? It does annoy me that the that the, the Queen's still head of state over there, and they, I think they do have certain free speech laws that um, are just are ridiculous to me. Um, but I'm not sure how I'm not sure how serious they are about yeah. that now. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to go. I'd love to go somewhere like that. And I think if you've got your own kids, you can you can educate them the way the way that you want. You you can pick a school, and if you if you're not totally happy with what's happening at school, then you can either homeschool them or or pay for tutors if you've got you know if you've got the, the resources, the, the financial resources to do that. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy doing. Yeah, it. I know, I know yeah. quite a few people who do homeschooling, um, and um, I mean, one of them's a very creative lady who does. Um, paints for a living and has started selling some photos uh, which mm. is good because they deserve to sell because they're very very cool um, but, and she does homeschooling but her, her kids are so bright because of the environment that they're living in yeah. and they're so inquisitive and they're so creative as well I mean her, young, her, her youngest daughter she's got a daughter and a, 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 a lad her youngest daughter is so creative like ridiculously creative um, it's, it's obviously got, it's, that's got to stand them in a good stead, surely. I think a lot of times as well, this country, you think, because when do you, uh, uh, they don't learn much. You don't get to, piece. you don't get to 30 and really be using things that you learned at school. I'm not at all. Not, not really. I mean, like we were saying with the goal setting thing, it'd be great to take that into a, 
take that into a school because that's that's a proper I don't want to say life skill, but that's a proper life skill. It that's is yeah. actually going to be that needs, relevant. That needs to be done as well. And I'm not I'm not dissing education. I'm not saying oh you don't you, you shouldn't you don't need to go to school at all. You do need to go to school because it's it's almost like social development almost. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think, and it's I think, I think there's a there's a little bit too modicoddling going on and protecting people. You almost need need to have the different groups and the bullies and all this lot like, to to develop people and evolve them into where they want to be and where they want to go. And who they, they won't cope be. with that when they're younger. Then they're not going to cope exactly. much with it. Exactly. Uh, they're going to be learning those things for the first time when they're either going into the workplace for the first time or. Yeah, when they're a teenager or when they're a uh, young adult, so um, try, keep trying to bring in these little rules of uh, you've got to stay in education until you're 18. Even though that's if you leave school at 16, you've then got to go into uh, like an MVQ, um, online work, online, um, on the job work training. Yeah. Um, what if you want to work for yourself in that case? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's for me. They're, I, try, they're I, trying to pigeonhole. Not trying to pigeonhole. I thought school was just stifling. Them. And I, I haven't. I didn't feel that at the time. I really like A levels. I really enjoyed A levels. No, I didn't like A levels. No, I really enjoyed A levels. Uh, you went to university. I didn't. What was university like? It was alright, but it was. Um, but I, I, it was the wrong thing for me to do. I, you know, it was. I mean, maybe, maybe if I'd done something that I was really into, but I didn't. You know. Um, and for me, it was. For me, university was just learning to play guitar. Getting the band, <laughs> producing an album, like doing a few little few gigs, you know. I mean, we, we got to the point where I was doing sort of two or three gigs a week regularly at uni. Um, so, you know, uni I'm still a little bit took. curious whether I could do a degree. Well, I, I, I kind of know I could do a degree, but I'm still a little bit curious whether in some, at some point, sorry, at some point in the future I will do a degree. But would you, what would you need to do one for? I don't know. I'd do a mechanical engineering degree. Pretty much, pretty much, I'd just do an under, because that's the only thing that. Well, that's one of the things that um, I'd love to know more about. Because um, it almost seems that would benefit straight away, kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'd love to do like an astronomy, but it's to help you cars and all the rest. Yeah, of it. exactly. I think for me, it's university seem or the whole education system seems to be set up to be like right. We have X amount of jobs, professions, all the rest of it. We need people to fill that. So here you go. This here's all the courses you can do. That's for me. That's what it seems like. I mean, you know, they're not talking about oh, well, you know, we've got binmen to fill. It's just, it's just a little bit up from that. Right. Well, we've got we we need people to yeah. do X, Y, and Z. So right, we have courses we need in nurses. X, Y, and Z. We need yeah. nurses. Here's your nursing course. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's net. Yeah, there's never even. I mean, I think I I knew a couple of people at uni. I didn't know them. I wasn't friends with them. I'd sort of heard of them from other people that had. I think he got to the end of year three and they'd bought a couple of houses or managed to buy a couple of houses and were starting to do student lets themselves. And also I thought, yeah, I thought to myself then, they're switched on. They're switched on. But no, that wasn't even suggested by anybody. It wasn't suggested that you could have your own, you know, if if you're doing chemistry, you can have your own chemical company. It was, you need to do this to get a job at such and such. You need to be a lab technician at Boots, which my my first interview was a lab technician at Boots. Really? Yeah, that was my first interview. Chemistry lab technician at Boots. How old are you? Uh, I was 18. The only rule was don't blow up the store. <laughs> Something like that. But no, uh, I mean the only the only piece of 
kind of life, not really life advice, but um, guidance or something. My, my uh, grandma passed away when I was 18, 18 or 19, and my uncle said, oh, you should buy her house, because her house went up for sale. Uh, and I think it eventually sold for something, something. well, it sounds crazy money now, something crazy like £31,000. And at the time, my uncle said he should buy that. I was like, I can't buy a house, I'm 18. Whereas, if I was maybe a bit more switched on, or, I don't, I don't know, uh, what, I don't, I'm trying to think in what situation I would have gone, yeah, I'm going to buy that, buy that house. Would you, would you have bought it if you were, if you had lots of people around you saying, Chris, you need to buy this house, Chris, you need to buy this house, it's a good idea, it's going to be the best yeah, you should do it, you should do it. Pro- probably. Yeah. Um, probably. But I mean, that's, that's, you say you shouldn't live in regret or anything, but I do kind of wonder what would happen if I'd bought that. Because mm. I wouldn't have lived in it. I would have rented it out because it was right next to the university. Yeah. Um, how many bedrooms? Or how many, how many rooms? Uh, there was, what was there? There was a big garden. But you rented out to students then? Like yeah. Like three or four students Yeah, or it, was a, it was like a little townhouse. We were making some money. Um, right? 1930s townhouse. It had a big garden that went at the back. And a small front garden, a little gate that you walked up to the front door. The front door opened into a... It was a lounge slash um, staircase. Yeah. Um, and then you went through the lounge. It was a pretty... I think it was... Was it a one-room? One-room floor plan? It can't have been a one-room floor plan. Must have been. Must have been two rooms. Uh, you went from the lounge into the kitchen. The kitchen was kind of like at the back on the right-hand side. And then you went upstairs and there may have been two bedrooms and a bathroom. Yeah. And there was a bathroom downstairs because my grandma wasn't very well. She couldn't get up the stairs. She could have got two people so, at least, I suppose. Or so, yeah, was there a downstairs? I think there must have been a downstairs bedroom then. Because she couldn't get up the Maybe stairs. three then. So, yeah. 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 I, think that's, I, I think that's how my one's plan as well is to buy yeah. the property as soon as we can and then... I mean, our main idea was, or how I had the idea of maybe if we got enough to buy you know, a place in London outright in the next couple of years or so. Um, with some of those places, you're talking about four or five grand a month to, yeah, to, rent. to rent out. Especially, you know, I mean, my friend, of, friend of mine rented out his flat for the, uh, was it a month, month? I think it was a month around the Olympics. Made 10 grand a week renting out his flat. And his flat is a flat. It's in the middle of Greenwich, so it was like right in the middle of the Olympic area sort of thing, but he made 10 grand a week. He went to live with his mum for a month. That's incredible. It's just bonkers. Absolutely so it's, bonkers. Yeah, it's, there's money to raise. You start to make smart investments, don't you, really? I yeah. It's, um... But then, I mean, that's it. You, you go to school and you get told, well, well the, the kind of running trend at school is that, right, OK, you're going to do this, you're going to learn all this, so that you can then go and get a job and get paid money. Rather than if you do better in school, you rather get more than money, which yeah. is not yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah. If you case. if you're an A star student, you're going to get more money when you get a job, which is the wrong way round. You should be talking about like like we were saying. I should have bought that house when I was eighteen, nineteen. You should be talking about. They should be telling you these are the ways that you can invest in order to have an income. Well, yeah, I mean, they should be asking talk about what they're interested. I mean, because if if they say to kids, right, what you just wanting to live the high life, you wanting to earn money, are you wanting to be something not not are you wanting to do something are you wanting to be something are you wanting to be a pilot an astronaut a yeah, doctor yeah. a lawyer blah, blah blah whatever it might be or do you want to do, do you want to do something 
Yeah. Do you want to be something or do you want to do something? Because more, more often than not, the, the, the jobs where you talk about being something, they pay pretty well anyway. Yeah. You know, so, so you're not going to have to worry about about that thing. Um, apart from, I suppose, the uh, paleontologist, I don't know. Where do they get the money from? I saw, we watched a fascinating film like the other night called Dinosaur are... 13. Yeah. Um, and it was about the most complete T-Rex skeleton that's ever been found, and it was Black Hills... The company was called Black Black Hills uh, Minerals or something like that. And it was in, in North, North or South Dakota. North Dakota. Okay. And the story was that... They were doing it as a, a private entity, right? As, as kind of like a business. They were not earning a lot of money, and they were doing it because they loved it and because they wanted to get more fossil, fossils out of the ground and educate yeah. people and send these things to museums and stuff. They obviously sold fossils to collectors, you know, on eBay or online yeah. or whatever, all over the world. So eventually, they found this T Rex skeleton, and they named it Sue after this uh, after Susan Henderson, the woman that found it, and. It wasn't clear exactly on what land it was on because you, all throughout America you've got lots of different pieces of land. You've got government land, privately owned land. Uh, you've got Native American land. Yeah. Uh, then you've got land that is held in trust. Okay. By people for so Native like Americans land. or for yeah. So it turned out that this this uh, skeleton was on a guy called uh, Morris William uh, Morris Williams. Uh, and he was an Native American himself, but he was holding it in trust. Or was it the other way around? It was something like that. He was holding it in trust for the for Native Americans, or the Native Americans were holding it in trust from the government, or something like that. It's very, yeah. very complicated. So they weren't really sure whose land it was. They paid Morris Williams five thousand dollars for this for, for the for the fossils, which they said at the time was more than any anyone had ever paid for any fossil ever in history. Yeah you know, a, a paleontology. Um, so they had the photographs, it was evidence, they had the cheque that they paid him. Yeah. Later on, it, it turned out that the FBI turned up and, and seized and seized it. Right? Yeah. They sent the National Guard down and everything, they took this thing away in big crates. Because it was, because they said, um, government the, owned it. the government owned the land. Uh, Morris Williams had authority to sell the fossils, but only if he got prior permission from yeah. The trustee, or whoever yeah. it was, whoever the land was So, like secondhand for. renting? Something like that. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. I mean, even on the film, they, the guys are not really sure what, what happened. Then it turned out that they, they, some lawyers figured out or, or dictated, or some judges dictated, that because the fossils were mineralised, that means they were land. Yeah. Because they're not bones anymore. Yeah. They're so land, land, right? Because it's turned into rock. Yeah. So then, that's theft of land. Oh, you kid! Well, so this fossil company so, that was like they, they could just got. So it turned out that um, uh, then, uh, then it, it got even worse because then Morris Williams said, "Well, they didn't, they didn't buy it off me at all." Oh my! God. Then he was claiming that he owns it. Then it went. Then eventually, um, the the dinosaur or the fossils, this dinosaur thirteen, as they call it, the thirteenth T Rex skeleton to be found. Or the most complete one went to. Well, yeah, they called it Sue. Nicknamed it Sue after this Susan Henderson. Then they uh, sold the thing at auction at Sotheby's in New York. Yeah. Went for a, a, a local philanthropist from uh, the, the the area 
decided that right, I've got a oh, maximum I can put is one point two million of my own money, and it will it will come back to to this this town because the idea was yeah. that this this Black Hills Minerals would put the T Rex display in a museum in the town. Yeah. So it would be the most complete one ever. Yeah. Ev- loads of so people. So they pay for, for it to world, excavate it, and then they're going to put it community. on. Yeah. Exactly. Almost yeah. like when you go hunting and you give them to the to the village. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You give money to the, money to the village or something if you hunt an elephant or whatever. Um, so then it turned out it went it went for something like seven point four million dollars to the to the oh. University of Chicago, and obviously this, Ma- this, Morris Williams, this Morris Williams got a lot of that. Not university, uh, sorry, for Museum of Chicago. Museum, okay. Uh, for, and I think Coca Cola and I think McDonald's and a few other people put in money to to, to, to do it, you know. Um, and it turns out that Morris Williams got obviously loads of that money, even though he said he'd already been paid five thousand dollars for it. Yeah. But obviously just lied. Flat out lie because the, the the evidence is there. He's been paid by check. He's cashed the check. The money's gone to him. So I don't know how they, don't know how they didn't convict him of that. I think there just wasn't any contract signed or anything. But I just thought a check. It, it's on. I think on the check it even said for T Rex fossil or for T yeah. Rex site, you know, or bones, or fossils or something. Um, then after all that happened, they then got charged. So they had just paleontologists in the dock in, in one of these little district courts in Dakota, North, North Dakota or South Dakota. Um, and I think it was collectively up 300, there's two guys, for 353 years. Because it was, because what? there was lots of, so they got them on so many, they just seemed like they this made up these morally charges. wrong. It's ridiculous. And they reckoned that they, because they started the ball rolling, they just had to keep going and they just, just went crazy. So there are things like money laundering because they'd go and sell fo- take fossils to sell in Japan. Yeah. Or try not. They'd always. And they said ninety nine percent of these people they always pay with cash. So we just had cash. So we'd go back, tr- put it in travellers checks, which are which you have to pay tax. Or it says you have to pay tax on. Um, then bring them bring them back into the country again. Sometimes we wouldn't fill out paperwork. I think they had. They had them on wire money fraud, so if they contacted somebody by fax or something and then they wired uh, pictures or something of, of the of the fossils and then yeah. they wired money back or something, then that was wire fraud. Money They got on a money laundering charge. Oh my God. Um, I think maybe theft of land, um, incorrect pa- incorrect paperwork and all this sort of stuff. Um, For good-hearted people who were just doing something yeah, that they yeah. wanted. And they were sort of, I mean, they were trying to say effectively that you know they're running this as a business they're there they're trying to stitch one over and, and all the rest of it and i mean one of the fbi guys says you know he says agencies like ours and the jobs we do exist so people can't just go onto land and take anything they want but it's obvious that they're just fossil hunters and they're just digging useless stuff up at, well so if you find a diamond most people you find a diamond stuff. in the middle of the in the middle of the grand canyon what you're gonna go and give it to the but then, washington well, you've you've got to. Well, I suppose they they've got to prove that it came from that area, haven't they? Then they said, you know, they're basically saying that that they, yeah, because there's no boundaries on these lands, and and not, they're not even sure where. Because when these yeah. well, boundaries are drawn up, there's no GPS. They don't know exactly know where. They're just like, oh well, that landmark means that's the corner, that's the edge there, and this landmark over here is the other edge. So we'll draw a straight line from there to there. That's that's the boundary of that land. They do all this sort of stuff. Um, it's incredible, but that you just you just think these are just people trying to exp- like we're talking about all the time, advance trying to expand you. knowledge, yeah. trying to advance human knowledge, all this sort of stuff. And there's people that just want to want to make a quick buck, or they don't think that they're going it 
about it the proper way, or it could be people that are jealous that they've they've discovered this fossil and they they didn't or whatever else. Fascinating film, yeah. If, if, if you're listening, Dinosaur 13, I think it's called, it's a documentary. If you get a chance to see it, de yeah, definitely. Was that a BBC? Was that a UK thing or? Uh, no, it's American. I think. American I, can't, I can't remember the, the people that made it. Is it like a? Net, was it on Netflix or something? I can't remember. It might have been on a. Yeah, it wasn't on Amazon Prime. It could have been on Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. I can't remember. But yeah, well, the missus just put it on, and it's. Uh, we thought it's. Dinosaur good. 13. Um, so that's just wrong. Somebody, yeah. somebody just in the good in. Just completely what, innocently. Exactly. What, I mean, it is a business film. Out of curiosity. They want to make money for the local community. They yeah. want to, you know, it's the most complete, probably the most important archaeological find ever because it's the most complete Tyrannosaur skeleton. And they and, just got screwed over. Yeah. Completely screwed over. So yeah, you've got us. I mean, I'm, they're still doing it now. I think, I think they've, uh, uh, I suppose they do things, well, not that they weren't doing things properly before, but they do things properly and above. Uh, they follow the letter now. Um, but they've found loads more T-Rex skeletons, but none none that were as, as complete as this as this suit, as they called it. Um, so obviously, they've obviously How long ago was this in? I think 1990s, 90... Oh, I want to say like 93, 94. Wow. Around that sort of time. Yeah, mid-90s. Um, that, we wanted to talk about... Ah. about your acquisition of knowledge. Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, being given knowledge or acquiring it. So, I've, uh, which I want you to um, kind of explain and expand on. Well, I had um, because you're always given knowledge. I watch. Uh, you can acquire it, but how the human. We've talked before about how it's impossible to. It would have been impossible to get to where we are as a human society if we weren't given knowledge. If if somebody hadn't written down what he's learned. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know what you mean. Not, okay, maybe maybe not given it. Maybe maybe not having to work for it. Let's say so free free knowledge for the human race. For me, there's a difference between. I know, I know. I know the angle you're going. At. There's a difference between learning something for me and. Um, trying to understand it and acquiring that acquiring that knowledge. So Einstein's E equals M C squared. He worked and understood it and drew up the conclusion and had all his laws of thermodynamics and then wrote them down and passed them on so that we could all acquire them. But he was also he was also he's done on the, the work of somebody else. Yeah, but he's done the work. Yeah. So you want to. I think I'm I don't think there's. Any, I don't think for me, I'm talking about like the ultimate answers. Yeah, I don't think there's any situation now where we can relate to that because there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to be able to come and give us ultimate answers. So everything, no. all the knowledge that is currently in the world is man-made. I think it's just a hypothetical as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I heard uh, Christopher is talking. Uh, at a debate once, and he said he gave the he gave an example of you know if you if if in one hand somebody held all of the answers to everything that you ever wanted to know, or in the other hand, um, just the drive and the ambition and the desire to seek that knowledge out for yourself, you should always you should always take the the, the desire, the desire and the, and yeah. the drive. Um, 
And I thought that would, that that's, that was the whole um, premise of this this Ancients Landing book is is the uh, I mean the fact that it's sci-fi is is besides the point. We're going to talk about that as well about story first and setting second. Are you going to put that um, that quote from Hitchens? Is that going to be at the front of the book? Probably could be a good one. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it is. I don't think it's by Hitchens. I can't remember who he said it was or what example it is. But I'll try. I'll try and find it. I can't because I know you like putting your own quotes. Yeah, I love. I love. I love quotes. Quotes, quotes, of, quotes yeah. beginning. After, I think. Um, uh, Especially after last week's linguistics talk. Yeah. Like, Maybe like if you put enough like quotes on, you'll end up talking like that as well. <laughs> well, that's what you always hope that. I, I yeah. mean, I tried to. I think I I put one in Pegasus actually that, that I just thought of, but I put anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, what did what did it say? I it think, said, I, I um, think I saw. It said. Uh, I think it said. Uh, um, uh, discovery in um, discovery in human beings is innate or something. Um, whether that's for good or ill, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's what I wanted to base a book around: is 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 if there was such an entity that had, you know, lived was was a, was part of a, or from a civilization much much older than ours. I'm talking maybe millions of years older than ours, or hundreds of thousands of years older than ours, and they've got to a point in their scientific understanding that they know how the Big Bangs originated, they know how it started, they know why. Well, no, not not to see why, because that's not necessarily a question that makes sense in that in that respect. But how the Big Bang started, where the universe is going, what happened, up, yeah. what happened, and all these other sorts of things. They understand the laws of physics and time completely. Um, they they would be able to give you the answers. Now the question is, if they landed, should we take? Should we try and? Should we respect their? Well, well, there's a few things. Because they were. Should they... we should we take the knowledge off them? Should we? Um, Go no thanks, but we'll we we appreciate that you know the answers, but we want to find them out for ourselves. Um, Should we respect got, the fact that they know that they don't want to give us? Yeah, the they answers. might not want to. They might they might have seen many more civilizations than ours and say no. It's best for you to grow and develop naturally. You yeah. know, you know you're you're mentally and socially and technologically and culturally not ready for these answers yet. So you know, the natural way of developing it over decades and decades and your knowledge expanding is a natural way of doing things. Then when you get to those ultimate answers, your society's ready for them. Yeah. Your society's ready to know now. Yeah. You know, um, because maybe, maybe at this moment in time, twenty, you know, middle of January, twenty fifteen. If if scientists just some just came out and said, right, I know, we know now. There's probably a lot of people. Well, I know there's a lot of people. For fact that just wouldn't accept it. It's, yeah. No, that's not happened. I don't believe it. What the what the universe is billions of years old? No, no. There's lots of people like that, probably many millions, maybe even billions around the world that wouldn't accept it. Um, there's nothing you can really do about that, I and mean, we might never get to a stage in um, civilization where everybody just accepts the answers that are um, arrived at. I suppose. Um, but then that got me thinking about in terms of um, obviously novel writing uh, story first and setting second whereas I prefer, I prefer to write science fiction type stories and, come up, and the majority of my ideas are science fiction yeah. ideas I think just naturally I think it's what I've been maybe it's from childhood you know, that's, that's what I've been interested in but I mean um, when you were um, telling me about can I mention Stonehill? yeah when, when you were telling me about Stonehill how you were wanted it 
you had this idea of a kind of a political um, story of of power, um, and then you decided to set it in a in a fantasy based world kind yeah. of thing. So you almost had the you had the almost like a, well, not prehistoric, but it's like kind of like swords and shields yeah. type era. You know, yeah. candles, no electricity, Vikings. Yeah, 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 that sort of thing. So you had you had the initial idea, but then you kind of picked the setting anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Because um, so I think I'm trying to veer towards the trying to get the story first and the setting. Because story is the most important thing about anything. You know, it, it always is. You see, I think there's a lot to learn from companies like Pixar or anybody that makes good films or any any director <laughs> that makes good films. Yeah. Because they always do, the story is always good. You know, yeah. the fact that it's an animated film is not really by the by. It's well, just, it's just that, a good that story. joke that goes along that um, Up created the best love story in, or created a better love story in a ten minute, ten minute introduction than Twilight did over five books, which Lindsay's going to hate me for because she hates me generalising yeah. massive big well, franchises like that. That, um, but that 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 screenwriter's that right? bible. Just that story. It's just a story. The guy in that says Up is one of the. It says the opening montage, yeah, marriage montage where, where he's young and he goes. He says that's one of the best. Um, I forget what he calls it now. He's got special words for the for these different stages of the films, but like the opening, it's the best yeah. opening that he thinks he's ever seen, or that's ever been written. Um, and if I you think that's, if you've got YouTube, go and have a look for. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. I've showed it to Lindsay as well. I think it's called Paper Paper Man, Paper Aeroplane Paper Man. I've got I've got the laptop. I can have a look. Um, it's a silent, so it's just got it's just got a score behind it. It's a silent uh, animation about a guy in Japan who meets a girl and is spends all day trying to throw a paper aeroplane across. Have you seen it? It's brilliant. He spends all day. He gets he he has a massive pile of work, and uh, he meets a girl on a train and sees her, and he goes, "Oh, she's amazing," kind of thing. Um, or you obviously get that impression. And then he sees her in the office opposite, over the road, and she's got the window open. So he spends all day folding up all his massive pile of paperwork into paper aeroplanes with his number on, trying to throw it across the room. It's brilliant. Wow. It's really cool. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's ten minutes, and that's again, that's just like story, just story. Yeah. So I Don't think, need, yeah, need I think it's, it's an important thing. I, I, I think it's. Uh, I think that's what um, a couple of people have said out to me. Uh, uh, my mum that's read read the book. She said I thought it'd be a lot more. Sci-fi, sci-fi, but it's it's and my, my, the the guy that's narrating the book as well. Yeah, what's he thinking of the book? Uh, yeah, he he thought the same. He said I thought it was going to be straight up sci-fi and stuff at first, and he says, "Well, it is sci-fi." I, I was, More I was action. Quite um, no, no, he says, "says I was quite surprised it had a lot a lot of emotional content as well." That it, it was about that these people are going away for it's a long trip. You know, yeah, it's a five like they might be away for ten years, you know, a decade. What's that going to do to families? What's that going to do to marriages? What's that going to be? That's kind of that's a that's a stuff like that. That's a cool um, cool yeah. compliment. Yeah, I thought I thought. How's so he well, getting yeah. on with that? All right, I think he's up to. Well, he had the other day. He's up to chapter fourteen or so now. Wow. Yeah, so it should be done by the end of the month. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, is that is that something you can put on up for uh, an offer or is it just is that through, it's still through Amazon, isn't it? That yeah, but it's through ACX, right. Amazon Creation Exchange. So it'll be available on iTunes, Audible, and I want to say something else as well. What was the third one? Maybe just Amazon, yeah. So, de- but definitely the main ones, Audible and iTunes. Are, yeah, Audible.com is the one. Yeah, the main ones. I think I've um, got a book already. So they're on there. I think there's a fixed price per 
per hour. So I think I've I've estimated it to be about eight point nine hours long. Okay. Um, something like that. Um, so they they have, because obviously I can only set the price so much. I've well, I've only got so much control over the price. So um, is that how long your book is? Your book. If I read that book for eight. Oh yeah, but your narrating speed is is. I mean, is when, when I first heard Steve read, I was like, that seems a bit slow. But then it's not. It should be about how many thousand words per um, hour. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. 8.9 hours to listen to Pegasus. So would you read, you'd read it faster, wouldn't you? What, in your head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot faster. Yeah. I notice when I, if I'm editing and I, I'm reading, a I, I read aloud and I also read in my head and stuff, I, I get, get through pages much quicker, even if I'm going slower in my head yeah. than but if I read out loud fast. kind of going slower. Yeah. Intentionally. Um... So yeah, like, but I don't know how much it will be actually. I haven't, I, haven't, I don't know for certain yet because I don't know exactly how long it'll be. But I think it's, I think it's set because. What what what's kind of some current? Let's have a look at some current. What, what yeah, prices not, are they at the moment? Uh, Audible.com. I've got would it. Be, a, would it be twenty dollars? Yeah. Something like that. I've got a thing I'm on sure. Audible. I can actually get a free book on Audible already. Uh, Sci-fi yeah. and fantasy. I've just not downloaded it yet. Uh, Sci-fi classics, sci-fi contemporary. Let's go in there. Four thousand three hundred eighty-one. Uh, the Martian. Andy Weir is very very cool. That is. Wow, really? Thirty dollars. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, all the, yeah, these audio books are quite expensive. Wow. Um, I mean, that might be a bit a bit high. Ten hours. It's eleven hours long to read that. Yeah. So that would be a little bit more expensive, you see, just because it's. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. I can have it free. I think it's because of the. Uh, I guess it's because of the bandwidth and things. Uh, yeah. That, that's why. So the longer it is, you uh, uh, I mean. So do you listen to it on iTunes or do you download it and then own the Audible? I'm not sure to be honest. I really haven't looked. I really haven't looked into into it that that much or, or yeah, the actual word press play on this so we can listen to some Martian. Let's see. Where do I begin? So I think he's got a really the cool Aries voice. Program. Mankind reaching out to Mars to send people to another planet for the very first time and expand the horizons of humanity, blah, blah, blah. The Aries <laughs> yeah. one Andy Weir. Did their thing. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, Andy Weir, yeah. But narrated by R.C. Gray. Gray yeah. He's got, I mean, if you... I've listened to the whole thing. I've read the whole thing as well. And he's got he's got the perfect voice for it because he's he's a little bit sarcastic, a little bit yeah. cheeky, but, but serious when he needs to be and explains... The technical side of that of the Martian very very well. Okay. There's a lot of technical stuff in there. Oh, I've got the book. I've got the book. I like yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. Really I need great. to read the book because um, Craig Thompson's read the book. He put that up on Facebook. Didn't he? I think I tagged you in it. Yeah, it's an incredible book. Really incredible. Very very different, like from, from any anything else. But it's it's an exciting sci-fi one. But it's again, it's realistic. It's you know, it could happen. It could quite easily happen. It's all yeah, grounded in reality. Very and, cool. Um, so yeah, I mean yeah, that that should be ready end of the month and then. Um, I just uh, I've staved off a lot of promotion for Pegasus one so far just because I wanted to as soon as I started work on the, or realised that I can get the audiobook out I thought well I'll go for promoting all of it because then anybody that wants the ebook and just doesn't want to spend you know only wants to spend like you know three quid or sort of a couple of quid can get that yeah if they want to spend a little bit more they can get the, the paperback if they want to spend a bit more or they only listen to audiobooks and yeah. can get the, the audiobook as well yeah um, no, I thought cool. it's just a uh, I mean we were talking about um, I suppose getting more and more sources of income or getting, getting yeah. multiple sources of income. 
And I'm um, still I'm still kind of toying with that one as just well. Just so you're not relying on yeah, because you said you said you were gonna do uh, prints, gonna, collages, and things like that. Yeah, I'm gonna do some collages for every photo shoot that I um, that I do for the magazine. So the magazine photo shoots are gonna get like big three foot by two foot. And I've got a couple of orders uh, of those going on at the moment. Um, mm. But it's just other things like offering my prints up, and I think. Probably one of the best ways of doing that is, is um, I mean, people do it on Flickr. That's where that's where my friend Ryan, she's done all hers. So she puts all her photos up on Flickr, and then Flickr goes through it uh, and choose which ones they want to offer up for um, for sale to, to, to companies, for corporate companies. Mm. Um, but the one I'd use would probably be 500px, uh, 500px.com, because mm. I've got a few up there already. Um, and that's... It's, it's, I don't know, it just seems a little bit more of a professional entity than, than Flickr. So mm. I'm going to try and fill fill my 500 pics profile with uh, all my car photos and put the prints up for sale and just see how that goes just out of just out of curiosity. It's like, what, it's, it's that question, isn't it? What, what I've got to lose? You, you put them up there, they don't make anything, you're back in the same situation. So if they do make, any, if they do make something, then you, you, you're positive. So I'll, exactly. I'll probably throw... As many as I can up on there. Um, I've got an awesome shoot from Lister uh, to finish up, um, and then I've got to. I want to email them because I was. We were pitching, or I was pitching an idea to them while I, while I was there. They've got an old 1960s. You remember the Haynes manuals, where where they've got the picture on the front when the car is all kind of broken down. And you can see through bits. They had a picture of a rendering of um, the Lister Lister Nobly. Uh, up on the wall, massive big rendering with the same kind of thing, with the same kind of style. I said I could recreate that for you with the new car, but in photographic form. So I could take a photograph of the car um, and then start taking bits off and keep the camera in the same place and take photographs of that and then kind of blend it all together in Photoshop. And then I could, you could have a realistic photo replication of that photo of today's car. Um, wow. So I need to, I need to send. Um, send the photos back into Lister uh, and then kind of trace up on that. Uh, the, the, it should be quite nice, actually. It was actually rather nice. I put the photos up on Facebook and I put them up and shared them on Twitter uh, and I put them on Instagram. And the owner of Lister Cars, a guy called Lawrence Whitaker, liked all the photos, followed me on Twitter, put a, com- put a comment on the Facebook ones as well, kind of giving it, giving it a thumbs up. So that was quite nice. Mm. Um, so That's what you want to see, isn't it, really? And there's not, many, there's not many photographers who have done shoots of that car. Which is which is also good, um, yeah. Exciting stuff, and I've got a shoot this weekend. I've just rented one of the next lenses, which I would like to purchase and acquire. So I've just rented that. It's a twenty-four seventy, twenty-four millimeters to seventy millimeters. Um, it's part of what photographers call the Hebrew Trinity. So that's fourteen to twenty-four, twenty-four to seventy, and then seventy to two hundred. So you get three lenses that just cover all the focal ranges that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've rented that for the weekend just to kind of try that, try that out and see how much of an impact it makes. Um, I've got two shoots this weekend and then a friend of mine, Dan Bevis, who hopefully is listening to this podcast because he said he was going to listen to the last one because he's a writer and I was going to pick his brains about the linguistic thing that we talked about last week. Mm. And he sort of out a Lancia Stradali. Stradali? Stradali. Stradala? Stradali. Lancia Stradali. Um he writes lots of car articles, so mm. lots of lots of articles about cars. But he's very, very good. Mm. Um, I think one of Lindsay's favourite quotes from him was um, 
when he was writing about the thousand horsepower Audi that we found at the retro retro gathering, and he said it's like uh, it's like putting a bear in a dinner suit. And it just kind of made the laugh. So yeah, he's he's wow. very cool. He's a very good writer. And it's a cool car as well. That. It is a very cool car. Yeah, thousand brake horsepower in an Audi, four by four Audi, rapid. Um, do you want to talk about employing partners in business? Go for it, because you've just employed yours. Well, yeah. Well, Shivon uh, uh, did have a, um, uh, a a job start um, start of January and stuff, and she was getting into it. But it was um, uh, it's just got to the point where I've got so much on, and we we were just trying to do sums and numbers and and and, uh, and things. We worked out it would be just more beneficial to have her working for the for the business. Yeah, actually for the company um, and do promotion, just help me with, with that sort of thing. Um, and there's a lot of other pluses as well. It just means that we can we can obviously get more money out of the business legally because she's working for me, you know. Yeah. Um, and it means that she's not working eight hours a day on promotion, so she's got lots of ideas of her own. So I said, I said, well, look, you're going to be able to work on your own ideas as well, and then these are going to be they're going to be making money for you eventually, hopefully. Yeah, um, like that, and all these sorts of things. I, I said, I think we could just yeah, we could just get. Yeah, the house that we want, and and we could get a mortgage and 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 stuff sooner, and we could get to Canada sooner, and and start a family sooner if if we both pitched in, and, yeah, and you know yeah. helped out, you know. Um, I think it will just it will just happen a bit better that way. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. We'll see how it goes. I mean, she she was quite excited to to start, but then she got a job offer yesterday as well. For, <laughs> For, for a job that does sound quite cool to be more money yeah as, as a uh, working in an art gallery for more money than she she's been on ever yeah and um, we just chatted about it but the, the trouble was that it was about 20 miles away so I'd have to take her because we, we've, right, we've got okay, one car yeah. and it would, be, it would be two hours in the car for me every day Obviously, yeah that would drive you mad you know, 30 minutes there 30 minutes back in the morning then again in the evening that's not counting to, you know that you're not going to get stuck in traffic so that's one rest. of the things that um, and I, I just said it was getting tiring with David Lloyd as well because I had to commit to doing this at this time every day and it was like it was always hanging yeah. over me right okay I want to go and shoot now well I've only got three hours it's not worth it yeah yeah so, yeah you've got to be and it's kind of it's a bit I suppose it's a bit selfish on my part but I just said look I can't I can't lose two hours a day. I can't lose. That's ten hours a week. It's not selfish. Forty hours. Well, no, no, it's not selfish, but it it, it is as well because she sacrificed a lot for, for for me to do what I'd, but I. But I said to her, you know, if if it was if it was the other way around and you had a business that was making a lot more money than I, w- it was possible for me to make working any job. Then I just you know, and you asked me to. Well, obviously that's the main one, you know. As I said, you know, it's not. My business isn't the end goal here, or me being successful, or what, anything else like that. I said our end goal has always been uh, a particular type of lifestyle, which I've always been quite chuffed that it's not any sort of monetary gain for us. It's about having a lifestyle, in, perhaps in Canada or somewhere nice in the UK, where we can have time to do archery, we can have time to go on walks, hike, hunt, do all these other sorts of things that we want to do. Um, and I said I think. It's just a higher chance of it happening if we, you know, we're both going in the same direction. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I said, I said, it you know, it's not about um, me versus her, money-wise. It, it's about what we can earn collectively and put in because whatever money we earn, eventually, is collectively going to go into the house, into the yeah, family, yeah, yeah. And into the rest of it. You know, if it's coming into one bank account or a few bank accounts or a business bank account or whatever, it's yeah, it's just. I, th- I mean, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be tough to do, and I think I'm going to have to 
kind of just swallow my pride a few a few times because she's got some really good ideas about promotion and about connecting with people and about um, interacting with people and, and uh, talking to people and responding to people and getting people talking about you know either calisthenics or the novels or all these other sort of projects that we're, we're working on um, and yeah she comes up with ideas that I never would have come up before which annoys me uh, <laughs> but then but, you know but then but that's fine, you know. Yeah. She, that's what. That's why I would employ her, and that's why I have. Yeah. And that's yeah. why the, she's working for the business now because she has those ideas that I don't have in the first place, and she has the time to do these things now. And she, plus, she has the time to to uh, you know play a guitar more, shoot the shoot a yeah, definitely, more, definitely. work on her own projects more and stuff. She's not tied down. You know, I can pay her enough. Um, you know, where she doesn't feel like she hasn't got any money because that's the last thing I wanted. I didn't want her to feel like she hasn't got any pocket money now yeah. yeah she told me she doesn't really care about that she just she she she's focused on the bigger picture so um no, that's good i hope that that's stays cool. the, the same way we'll just have to see how it, like, it's gonna be an ongoing and then she got a date for her army thing yet yeah end of this month start of february, february. has not got a, right. a, a, a definite date yet but so she'll definitely... still do that if she gets in anyway if she passes and gets in anyway she'll it won't be then that takes care of it kind of thing yeah, but then it'll be a few months at least until she actually goes and yeah. starts training. So then she can still carry on working the business. Yeah, yeah. If she doesn't, we'll just continue as as we are now, um, and then just see where twenty fifteen goes. Yeah, well, no, we won't see where it goes. We'll make it go where we want it to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what we've got to start saying. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do, do, do you think you do better with, with a partner as a being a a business associate or? Or having a specific job as part of the business, or do you think it save you time? Because there's, there's lots, there's lots. She can't the, do the yeah. She, she can't, can't do, do the photographing. She can't is, do the photographing. I suppose. I suppose. Um, and sending emails, she might not know. I mean, even Sean's got to ask me. Oh, is this email okay to send yeah. out? Is this comment okay to? See the photos and the editing and the contacting and talking about the cars and and emailing after the fact. <coughs> Emailing after the fact and getting like the collages sorted out and things. I suppose that's all very me dependent anyway. Mm. Um, so I don't know what. I mean, she does she does lots of administration, um, doing all the receipts. But then there haven't really been many receipt receipts recently. Mm. Um, but, um, no, I'm sure there'll be. I mean, there'll definitely be a role in the future if she wants it. Um, yeah. I'm sure there will be because I'll just end up with with so much work. Then there'll, there'll have to be something that. I will end up with so much work that there'll have to be, yeah, there'll have to be um, some kind of cutbacks, or I'll have to kind of pull back and, and ask her to give me a hand anyway. But I mean, she's got her university work, which is going really well. She's she's working really hard with it. Um, she's she will get into university uh, in the summer. Mm. Um, she's still yes, she will. She's, she's she still, will get into uni. She will get into university because of the way she's working at the moment. She's putting so much time and effort and being so perfect and particular about all her work. She will get into university if she carries on doing what she. Well, and I never bought that much. So I got in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know it's only Staffordshire, but still. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I mean, she will get in there. She will do. She will be really successful when she's when she's when she's passed and when she's got through the university and stuff. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that. Her job role and my job role can kind of run alongside anyway, um, and she'll be freelance OT going all over the country and helping out rich people live their lives a bit better. But mm. so yeah, it won't be long. 
I think Richard Wally, it was, it was also it was also strange that she's what I said I told you before um, what I said earlier when we were shooting that uh, she didn't want to feel like she was she was not achieving anything uh, like of her own or other people would think oh well, she wants just working for Ash or she wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for Ash but it's, yeah. just, it's not that I said you don't need to worry about that I said I need you yeah, you're yeah, better yeah. at yeah. this than me so it makes sense that you do it I said if you didn't do it I just have to employ someone else to do it anyway yeah totally you know and I don't know I don't know them I can't. I mean, I've, there's a publicist down in, um, I don't know where Ellie lives actually, but it's a publicist, publicist, publicist that works for um, Lotus. John, Lotus yep. Publishing. Um, really, really good, but she's only in, uh, well I say but, she's, she's in three days a week, Monday to Wednesday. And it's not like she's, she's always at the end of her phone or, or something, but I'm not the only person that she that she takes care of. There's lots of other authors that she takes care of and lots of the projects that she, she deals in as well. Um, so it, it's it can only be a good thing if there's just one person working on the the ideas. It leaves me free to create more, yeah. You know, which is which is always better, you know, because if I've got to devote a certain amount of my time to just doing promotion and things, yeah, um, yeah, you just can't you can't I mean, create as much. And yeah, it's it's nice having Lindsay here because I mean I was talking about all the idea stuff that I was doing, and one of the ideas was this elastic um, training idea. So photos of people who are training for sports uh, training for boxing or training for training for tennis and being held back and you kind of have to fight through the fight through the pain barrier in the war so I was I was having the idea of having like the limbs that were doing the work attached to elastic that went off the frame and yeah. and um, kind of running that by so I, I know that I could get Lindsay in and, and we've talked about we talked about last night about doing another hat shoot because um, obviously my lighting skills have improved so we need to kind of reshoot all the the hat ones that we did with her, um, so I know that I know that she. It's it's really nice to kind of bounce those ideas off her and just kind of hear her go, yeah, that'd be really cool, uh, and then getting her involved. Uh, this shoot with Emily that we're going to do, um, and then obviously Lindsay's personal fitness shoot that we're going to just do, just her, just to kind of show off all the hard work that she's been putting in, um, so show off the the results sort of thing and give her a bit of a confidence boost and, and make her realise that she's fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, that'd be kind of cool. So. Mm. Um, I, well, I had one more on my list. I don't know what you had. Gone. Uh, you were talking about uh, what, what's the guy's name? You talking about before that had fuck you money? Oh, David Cho. <laughs> David Cho. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it's, whether the guy's whether, a legend. Whether it'd be it's it's worth having worth so much money that it, it's like you said it's fuck you money. You can just you can do whatever you want and and. That that's it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, I, whereas I wasn't too concerned, and I was more worried about what would happen if, and I'd, I, what would happen if I did get to that stage, or if it, if it did happen, um, whether I'd lose the will to create because yeah. it's like, well, like I I don't have to anymore, or or whether you'd kind of like if you, because I, I I think to myself, well. You know, if I've always loved that Ultima GTR, and it's, yes. it's a kit car, but also a turnkey that you can buy from the factory. Yes, I'd love the idea of building it myself. Now, I I'd, I'd still love the idea of doing that, even if I was a billionaire. So it is. Do you reckon? Do you reckon there's only certain certain types of people become like that, uh, regardless of the amount of, of money they have? Do you reckon their personalities are like that anyway? That they pay people to do things that they didn't really want to do anyway. Or, or, what, or what do you think? Because I like to think I like to think I'd do everything myself anyway, even if I had the money to pay somebody to do it. I know I'd be like that. Yeah. Because I've st I, I had money 
I had money when I was working on the Galant, and I still did everything myself. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's, well, we were talking about the process versus the end yeah. result, weren't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, did, I, did the, I did the painting of the Galant, knowing that it would be below the standard of a professional, but I'd know I'd have done it myself. So I, I don't, yeah, I, you know, you know, Mask, the film Mask, where yeah. you put the mask on and it brings out your inner whatever, and Jim Carrey put it on and it turned him into like a, a joker, suave, wandering around, romanticising all the, all the women. Yeah. And then the other guy put it on and it turned him into like a big monster. So the underlying traits of your personality just get exaggerated. So I think if you get more money, those underlying traits just get exaggerated. Right, uh, so yeah, so that's, a, that's an interesting way to think about it, yeah. Because I like to th- I remember reading stories of people winning the lottery and things and then hearing that they've gone back to their old job or something or they still live in the house that they lived in for like 20 yeah. years. Um, and I just think, I, I've, if I try and imagine myself, say, winning the lottery, for example... I think I would just do even like even more. I'd have I'd, I'd have even more hobbies. I'd go to all the countries of the oh, world. God, I'd, yeah. go, I'd go traveling. We'd do so many activities. I'd learn skiing, shooting, uh, to hunt, to, loads and loads of stuff. You I know? wouldn't learn skiing. I'd learn snowboarding. I can already ski, and I can just about snowboard. And I prefer snowboarding. See my see my friend Katie. <laughs> my friend Katie's invited us. Um, we went to be, be sort of maybe to the end of 2016 just to give everybody a bit of a chance to save up for it, but to like a chalet. Yeah. But, but and I don't know whether to, I said, I said to her, I said, should I ski or snowboard or... Because we used to snowboard every year in snow, in Sweden. Another reason why computer games are really cool, because I used to go over Sweden a lot, but I used to snowboard in Sweden. I learned to ski when I was younger. So snowboarding's pretty cool, eh? And snowboarding was... You get know, to wear baggy trousers. Everyone likes baggy trousers. Yeah, I don't know, it's just... <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, it's just... It just seems much more... Satisfying when you when you carving down the carving down the slopes. I've got to say, yeah, snowboarding is that's what I prefer to do. I mean, I I've heard that skiers hate snowboarders, but then I suppose snowboarders hate skiers. It's, it's just one of those. I things. don't think snowboarders hate skiers. I think skiers hate snowboarders. Right. Snowboarders are just like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> just chilling out. I mean, one of the one of the most inspirational films I've ever seen was um, damn it, I can't remember the name of it now. Snowboarding film that Red Bull did. Uh, it's fantastic. Really, really cool. And yeah. uh, these guys just the the. I think it's five or six best snowboarders in the world just get taken out by Red Bull and just just bore down some of the most incredible massive mountains ever. Wow! Um, they go to Iceland and they say, "Oh yeah, we want to we want to snowboard down that mountain up there." And they're like, "I'm sorry, we can't take you up there." Well, why not? It's because it's called the Devil's Mouth. It's unlucky. Nobody goes up there. They're like, "But we need to snowboard down it. We need to go down that." And they eventually found somebody to take them up there. Um, but yeah, snowboarding is awesome. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, what was I, <laughs> I keep, interrupt- about, uh... I keep interrupting you. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you we were talking so about whether you turn into those. You, you, those underlying personality traits would just get exaggerated. I think they. I think they would for me. I think I'd. I think I'd spend as much possible time trying to. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. For me, if if I didn't have to work for a living or if I had more than enough money that I'd never really have to worry financially again I, yeah. I would just do more and more of those things I'm not the type of person just to sit around watching TV anyway I mean, I'd so I just, I'd read more books I'd write more books I'd, yeah. I'd try and create more I'd sh- try and get really good at bow and arrow I'd try and get really good at guitar I'd try and maybe even learn, like start learning to play the drums because that would be something cool to do um, and I think uh, like talking to Siobhan about the, the way we want our future house set up. 
Lindsay! Lindsay, come and say hello to the podcast. Lindsay's just coming. Hey! And with a cup of tea as well? Yeah, with a cup of tea. So, podcast, this is Lindsay and she's brought us a cuppa. Hello, everybody! That one's yours, Ash. Thank you very much. And that one's mine. Wow. Thanks, pumpkin. Awesome. Light scarf. Thanks. So, I think when we were talking about how the house would be set up. Yeah. So, we wanted it to be as conductive as possible to... um, for us and kids to be creative and stuff so we thought right well we want want some sort of insane library you know with maybe like I don't know just wood everywhere and it'd be like two stories but you know the books would go up and you'd have one of those ladders that swings around and yeah, stuff but proper you know library. one end would be like my office but it's it's open it's not it's not enclosed you can't shut the door you know, and then in the corner might be like a, a little kids' office where they just get to be creative and stuff and yeah, they, totally. they, you know educating from a young age that if you want to create something, you can just do it and you don't have to worry too much about if you can do it or not or if it's going to work or whatever. You just go, you, there's, if we set up a, a little area where they can just where they can just do it there and they don't have to say worry bye. about... Bye. You can't bye. just leave the podcast bye. and not say bye. bye. <laughs> so, yeah, we could... Uh, yeah, that's what we thought of. Uh, and, you know, have maybe one corner is, is with all the guitars and... and uh, yeah. Uh, and... Um, the or even like a glass walled little little booth with a drum drum kit in there that's all soundproofed and stuff. Because so, I I uh, grand, like, grand design is awesome to watch. I love watching grand designs, and I like houses with lots of open space. I don't like, I don't I don't see the point of unnecessary walls. I don't see the point of doors unless you're in a bathroom. Um, so like big lo- lots of even lots of, lots of glass space to just get a hint of bow well cheek. that's the thing <laughs> you can have glass that frosts itself if you put an electric current through it. Wow. So you can have a sheet glass, so for, for like your drum area or whatever, you can have sheet glass and then you turn a switch and it goes frosted. Taking a crap. Yeah. I'm going to turn the I'm light. going to the toilet! Click! You need to turn the light off and it goes clear. Yeah. You must make sure you have the cl- the, the switch on the inside so, so I, mean, I, I think I, I'd do that no matter how... I think if I just had more money, that would just become more and more... Not No, not extravagant, because that's the wrong word. It would become more and more... Conductive, it yes. would have, yeah, yeah. you know, it breeds creativity. It just have more inspiration. Yeah, you know, they'd, they'd be, I'd try and get hold of like a, a because I'd a be huge it, model Saturn Five one. So I'd try and get hold of, you know, maybe like a um, uh, a small di- a small dinosaur skeleton or something in, in a glass. Anything like that. Any, that any awesome. bits of well, I've got that little that little trilobite fossil. I love that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, you sent me a little photo that I sent you. Yeah, a little trilobite fossil that I bought um, after. I can't remember what program program I watched. Um, but I was like, oh, I wonder whether you can get those, and you could, and I, I ordered one. Um, but yeah, I think I think it just there was a there was a question that I was having with um, a friend of mine, another photographer friend of mine, a while ago. That was, you know, and you could probably relate to this. You know these photos, the wildlife photos that you see, uh, and wildlife competitions, particularly wildlife photography competitions. Lindsay's back. It's all right. You just have to make sure you say hello on the podcast. <laughs> Um, the wildlife photography competition is where you see the person who's won has mm. got a photograph of a tiger lying mm. on the grass. That's it. Whereas the person who's come second has got a kingfisher um, mid-flight, mid-dive as it's going into the water to catch a fish. So who's put in who? who which photos in inverted commas better? Is it the guy who's got lots of money and is quite quite comfortable to just to go over to Africa, pay some guy to take him on a safari, wait for a tiger to walk out into the into the and then click a photo of it having a sunbathe? Or 
is that the guy who goes down to the river spends six days there, as you quite possibly have to do quite regularly, six days to wait for the kingfisher to come in in exactly that same spot. Probably did a lot of research to find out where the kingfishers are, uh, are hunting, what angle they need to be, to, uh, what point of the day to have the sun in the right place to light it. Which is a better photograph? Do you want to give the guy who has lots of money and is able to go to Africa to photograph a lion, do you want to let him win over a guy who maybe have put in a little bit more effort to get a kingfisher photo, mm. just because it's a lion or a tiger? Mm. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that now, it just sounds like a I know what you mean though, but yeah. That's, it, that's it, like, it's, it's, money, it's, the it's way money, you, money breeding creativity. It's the way you use, the way you use money yeah. as well. I'd, I'd like to think that I would, you know, me and Sean would use money in a, you know, if if we if we got a lot of money, that we'd use it in a way that's constructive. We wouldn't just go, all oh, right, well, you know, we're a bit bored this Saturday afternoon or this Wednesday afternoon because you wouldn't have to work, would you? You know, oh, well, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go, and we need to go buy a new handbag for John. We need to go buy no. me a new. I don't watch. think I, don't, I can't see you doing that. I mean, I, do, I, do, I, do. I can see you buying a buying a cabin in the middle of a lake on an island. So that you can yeah, I mean, more, I, I so would spend you could be more creative. I mean, right. There are a few material things that I spend <laughs> more money on, but they would be things like guitars, amps. But they're but they're not. You don't buy those for the sake of it. You buy those because they improve, uh, produce a, a certain thing. You yeah. know, you buy a guitar. We well, don't buy a guitar to look at a guitar. You buy a guitar to play it. To play it. I mean, because I've noticed this a few times actually. If I think I've seen a nice looking guitar and I get it, regardless of whether it's second hand, new or cheap or expensive, or whatever. If I think it's looking, it looks nice. I think oh, that looks nice to play and stuff. I'll get it, and I'll be first. I go through a few stages. First of all, I'm like, oh, that looks amazing and stuff, and and. I'll be, I'll be like that, and then they don't be like, oh, this, this play, it sounds really good, it plays really good. Then that will be the dom dominating, um, or that be the that be the feature that perseveres. Yeah, it will be the way it sounds, the yeah, way yeah, yeah. it feels to play and stuff. I still look at it sometimes, and think, yeah, that looks that looks awesome. But most of the time, you like, oh, this sounds awesome. Oh, I'm le I'm learning a new song now. I'm I've, I've learned yeah, a new totally. technique or whatever. So those things, so those things pass. You know, it's like it's like with this um, this moon watch that I bought, the the Omega moon watch. I didn't buy it because it was expensive or because it was Amiga or because it whatever. I bought it because it, it for me, it has it, it ties into a, things that I'm interested about. It was yeah. the first watch worn on the moon. Yeah. It, has, it has been. It's the only watch worn on the moon. And on the back of the case, it says NASA, uh, flight qualified by NASA for all manned wow. uh, space missions uh, from the moon to Mars. Something like that. So you've got a watch that you know that if you ever went into space, it'd be quite capable. Yeah, it's now... Yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 for, for most people they look at it. They don't. They don't know what it is. They don't know yeah, that it's yeah. it's sort of expensive. But but that wasn't. If it cost hundred quid, I still I still would have I still would have got it. And I'd still be as impressed. With I mean, it one of the things that I I'm either famously or non famously, but I'm famously uh, known for. If I win the lottery, I will buy a Toyota two thousand GT. Nobody knows what the car is. Nobody knows what it looks like. It's not as flash as a Ferrari. It's uh, a stunning car. Oh, they mean I love it. Do you mean three? Was there a 3000 no. GT on Grand Turismo? Mm, nope. Toyota 2000 GT. It was... The 3000 GT was 3000 GT Turismo, is a Mitsubishi. Ah, right, yeah. Okay, Toy so oh, Toyota know. 2000 GT is 1968-ish. Wow. Um, and uh, it was a Bond car in... I can't remember which film it was, but it was a white Bond car. Drunor. Um, yeah. I mean, Dr. No. <laughs> Drunor. <laughs> it certainly wasn't Drunor. Um... But no, I, I mean, it'd be amazing to have that. But if I had money, like you could, you could think of right. I, I could ship 
my Galant over to America, drive it down Route 66 and have a photograph of my Galant on the top of the Grand Canyon. I've just spent £10,000. Yeah. But I've got... It's an experience. <laughs> I've got a hell of a photograph at the end of it. Yeah, it's, experience. Yeah, it's an experience. Yeah. yeah. I think that's... It comes, yeah, it comes back to that, doesn't it? Things or experiences and, and you see it time and time again, people, these people spend money on, on things... Not experiences and it's like one of the things on my goal list was to buy a car in Japan and drive it home, wherever home is at that point. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, awesome. but, yeah, win the lottery, go over to America, go over to Japan, buy a Toyota 2000 GT, and then drive it back I mean, to you know, your Canada. Goal wasn't, it's good though because your goal's not, it's not go over to Japan, spend X amount of money on any old car and drive mm. it back it's mm. by acre it's the, the experience is the main yeah, thing of, of driving so I think as long as long as we keep uh, I think as long as we I think we do then who, we, are, then who well. are we to say is that the right way to go about things I mean I think it is but there's oh, that's just my opinion isn't it most I think as a uh, is, as a human being you're the main thing in your life is is experience you experience yeah. things you know it, it's you know the, the reason I wanted to start shooting a bow is because one said oh it's, it's Maybe we should get some bows for Christmas, uh, and then I started thinking about it more. And I thought, well, actually, yeah. I thought, yeah. I, then I started thinking about the the action of pulling the thing back, letting the letting the arrow go, s- seeing the arrow go, firing. hitting hitting the hitting the board, yeah. making that sound. That's the experience. Then you tie that experience to it. Because that video I put up of um, of you on Facebook of, of pulling the arrow, and you sat there and you pulled the arrow, pull pull the bow back, uh, and you pause there for a second, and then you hear the. <laughs> Of you letting go, and then like a split second later, it's just a, in the like just a thud into the. It's it's a satisfying sound, and right. I mean I pulling your bow today added a, I think it added another level on top of our, on top of the enjoyment that I was having out of archery because it was just a completely Definitely. different experience. Yeah, completely different to how I've been firing. That's why I'm, I'm really intrigued so, to see how so much more visceral. See how these compounds fire. Yeah. I, I don't know if. Yeah, I really don't know. if um, it's going to be the same. It's going to be. I mean, I think in my mind it's going to be a lot more enjoyable, just because it's 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 six times the price of the one I've got at the moment. Yeah. Is there any sort of fifty quid? Um, not that it means anything. They're only fifty quid, but it's just the materials and the the bow is going to. Be, it's going to be. It's a cheaper bow, you know. Yeah. It's the introductory. But I mean, it's quite. I was, I was thinking bow. today that I could get. I could just swap the limbs for some smaller limbs, so Lindsay could shoot it, which would be quite cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I get some. Yeah. But then, but then, I mean, we've we've found out today that she might not even need smaller limbs. Yeah. Because you were firing mine. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't. Again, I want to. I want to know more now. I want to know more. I want to shoot more bows. I want to know more about why that happens. Why, why yours was so much more visceral than mine to fire. So I mean, if you go to KG, if you say, I mean. But no, if we go early enough, they'll let you shoot oh, God, as yeah. many as you want. Yeah, especially if you get talking to that Keith again. Yeah, I'd love to know if they've got the win and win. That that'd be a bit cheeky, wouldn't it? Yeah, I really want to try this bow. Mm. Here you go. Really? Yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Mm. Right. Shall we? Shall we draw a line under that one? Yeah, yeah. Episode yeah, thirteen. Unlucky for some. How are you feeling after listening to that? Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how long we've been talking. What's that? Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Fifteen. There we go. Yeah. It's not as long as the last one. No, no, but it's, we had a couple of weeks off, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. The last one was awesome. The last one we just kind of kept on going and going yeah. and going. Right. Awesome. Thank next you. week. Yeah, next week. What? Tuesday again. Tuesday. Yep. Yeah, I've got a photo shoot on Thursday. 
Uh, I can tell you about the re-photo shoot this weekend, uh, next week, so that'd be kind of cool. Well, I should have done a few more thousand words on this ancient, ancient landing. landing, so I'm going to do a few. I'm going to do a couple of thousand today when I get back in. I want to do a little bit more, a few more ideas. I want to kind of expand on a couple of ideas I've already got, and then do a couple more. And then I want to do, uh, need to do some speculation for. Yeah, we do need to do a date for that. We we'll do a day next quad. week for TV series. Yeah. Yep. Even if we just right kind of hang out on Friday or Saturday night. Uh, well, not Saturday night because I'm not here. Friday night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to do some speculation. Just kind of list loads of speculation things that we could. Possibly look at uh, investigating. Right. All right, cool. Let's get out of here. Right. Spot on. See you later, guys. See you a bit. Enjoy Bye. the podcast. Click.